0: and hello hey
1: everyone
0: we are back for another amazing episode of your therapist playlist finally got it right without having to think about it for the first time yes
1: good job matt it's only you know episode nine i so. mean hey
0: before <laughs> we get double digits that had to be finalized you know well as my co-host just said my name is matt and this is sipping out of the lovely don't cc me from tbd coffee thank you <laughs> it's my lovely call sana
1: hi everyone
0: hopefully you guys have had an amazing afternoon thus far we in the midwest we are having some lovely weather today I don't know about where you are at Anna but I personally it's lovely right now
1: oh I thought that was sarcasm um (laughs) 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 here it's raining and it's like super gray and I think there's like a storm coming
0: and that that is the difference between where I stay and where Anna stays like I went out to brunch um, right before this, and we were going to sit outside, but everybody took up all the seats because of how good it was outside, so we sat in. It was pretty good, and I just got back and noticed it getting darker, so that's why I was like, oh, I wonder what it's like where Anna is, and apparently it is not the greatest. No, it's
1: not good. not pretty out here.
0: (laughs) Uh, How's your week been so far?
1: Oh, it's been pretty good. I did a girls' day with the girls, so I took them shopping. I got them some Crocs. dude. Crocs, those things are expensive. It's like fifty dollars for pair. For they're made out of like foam, man. And yeah. like, <laughs>
0: I, I, that's the thing that really I don't get. Why would the prices of Crocs inflate when they they have a whole bunch of generic versions too that you could buy? I don't understand what what's the whole hype behind them.
1: I don't know, but kids love them. They love them. They love those little. uh I don't know what they're called. The, the, the little, like, Ooh. button things you put on them.
0: Oh. Oh, the yeah. customizable?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those things are expensive, too. So I had them pick some out, like, for, or from, like, one of those little shops in the middle of the mall. You yeah. know, the little stands. Yeah. And I told them, I was like, these are going to be cheaper than the ones in the croc store. And uh, so they got a ton there. And then they got some from the Crock store. Because, of course, the Crock store is going to have, you know, your, like, Disney ones and your your nice, high-quality
0: they have a Kroc store.
1: Yeah, it's, all. <laughs> yeah, it's a Kroc store. So we did that. And we went to the candy store. They picked out a bunch of gummies and things like that. And then tonight is another movie night. We're going to watch... I have no idea what the movie's called. But it's a new, the new family movie on Netflix about a family that fights robots. And there's a pug.
0: So Netflix is The Invincibles.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe... Wait, the Invincibles, are you thinking of the Incredibles?
0: Incredibles, yeah, right, right. right. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't, I was actually talking to a client earlier last week, because it's a new week now, about how with Netflix, like I still have it, but I'm tired of all the new original shows they just keep advertising. I'll I'll get to it, Netflix, just let me watch the stuff that I want to watch first. So (laughs) I'm not surprised that I haven't heard about that one yet.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty new. So we'll see how it is. That's So that's been this weekend. But this week, like the theme of this week is I've been, I, uh, me and my husband have gotten into comic book collecting Uh-oh. just this week. And yeah, it's, expensive. it's yes. an expensive hobby. I only have five so far, but I have some pretty good ones and I'm sending them out to get graded and all that fun stuff.
0: Do you mind sharing which ones you got?
1: Mm. <laughs> well, no, no details of what I have. Okay. I have okay. good things. But um, they are Star Wars. They are uh, th- part of the Thrawn series, okay. which is really hard to find right now because he's um, he's a character that's going to be in, I think he's going to be in the new Ahsoka series and possibly the next Mandalorian. I'm not sure, but he's, he's like an up-and-coming character there's a lot of books about him. He's uh my favorite character and so he has a comic book series and uh also been doing a lot of uh card sales on eBay. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, you told me about this. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually sell soccer cards, so my little shop on eBay is called uh Anna Anna Soccer. Just Anna Anna Soccer. <laughs> makes sense. Right? That's my eBay shop. And right now there's there is only one soccer card on there. It's a Cristiano Ronaldo black gold 2016 solo like a uh, medallion of a star a silver star yeah uh, that's the only soccer card i have on there right now other than that i have some star wars cards and then a shit ton of magic cards i don't play magic i don't know anything about magic i have spent a lot of time have- googling what how do you have them oh they're my
0: husband's <laughs> oh he's in the magic okay
1: he was he used to and um they've just been hanging around forever and so i i I re- Okay, Matt, I really think that this is a task he gave me to keep me busy.
0: The yeah. <laughs> eBay store of cards and stuff to sell?
1: Yeah, so he has, he has tons in these bins, and he's like, you know what would be fun for you? Is if, you know, you could go through the cards, because he knows I love selling cards, and I was like, okay. But then the other day, I was thinking, like, is this just to keep me busy while he's working on stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I think it is, but it has been a ton, a ton of work. I have probably over 50 cards listed and people are really into old magic cards. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The thing that I heard about magic, the gathering is that they do like cyclical, like a cyclical play style. So a certain set of cards will last in like their tournament settings for so long before they're then like archived. To increase player interest in like new cards and archetypes and stuff that comes out, as opposed to Yu-Gi-Oh, who doesn't do that. So yeah, they should probably get on that.
1: Do you like Yu-Gi-Oh? Have you- I've never played any hard games. I, because I feel like it involves math, or like some sort of math quality.
0: With Yu-Gi-Oh, it's the bare minimum. You can add and subtract. So that's it.
1: I don't know. This is hard for me. Even trying to read the magic cards, because I try to read them to try to to figure out. Because there was this card that I'm selling, and it's destroy all lands. Yeah. And uh, to me, that means nothing. And then my brother was like looking, and he's like, "Holy shit! This is destroy all land. That's such a good card. You didn't know that's a good card?" And I was just like, "I what? I don't. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean?"
0: That's like uh, dark world. No, dark hole in Yu-Gi-Oh probably. Or self-destruct in Pokemon terms.
1: Oh, okay. So self-destruct like Electrode. Yeah,
0: that's that's what I'm going to equate it to. Sorry if this insults Magic the Gathering fans. I'm probably wrong, but this is how me in a Pokemon mindset understands it to translate with Anna <coughs> because she doesn't play Yu-Gi-Oh, so I can't translate it in that way.
1: Maybe it means maybe the Pokemon equivalent would be destroy all Pokemon.
0: <laughs> Pokemon like... that well, every Legendary has almost destroyed to destroy all Pokemon. So. I'm just going to go self-destruct. That's just me personally. Uh, speaking of me personally, I've been doing okay. I am resigning from my current workplace and about to start full-time private practice next month. Shout out to me. And I'm shouting myself out because I just had a realization that I should probably increase my case a little bit more because it's going to be summertime and people may not show up. And one of my colleagues reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, shit. And prepare for the fact that people may just stop coming during the summer only to come back in the fall.
1: That's a real thing. Yep. Okay. I want to second that because I did not... I guess I never really noticed. I always noticed around the holidays people drop off, and you know it is what it is. People are on vacation, but for the summer I had I, I didn't really think about it because I usually get all the college kids. So in the summer I always think that I'm busy because I, you know, I have all these these college kids. But now my usual clients are kind of like, uh, you know, can we? meet like maybe every other week maybe once a month maybe just whenever (laughs) which is totally fine with me because it's like a sign of good progress that they don't need to meet every week yeah um so i think it's good but at the same time it is slow and everyone is canceling all the time cancel cancel cancel, because summer
0: yeah luckily my practice has a few um what's the word i'm looking for here contingency plans in place to assist with that But still, I'd rather be safe than sorry. So I guess I'm going up to 30. Woo. Other than that, I feel like my mental health has definitely become a lot more, let's go with better. Um, I feel like I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety over the last almost a year. And of course, uh, loved ones close to me, friends know a few details as far as why that has been. Last weekend, I just had like a realization like, hey, you know, anxiety comes from not really feeling sometimes confident in where things are going, the future, wanting to have control over certain things. And I was like, you know, I don't want control over shit. The only thing I want to do is feel good about myself. And I'm not going to worry about the future because I'm doing pretty damn good right now. And I was like, you know what? Let me act like that. And ever since then, I've been feeling really good. So yeah, feels good. Feels good to be back. And a lot more mature and insightful, even though I always think about everything.
1: You do always think of everything.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you do. And I've been watching the old Simpsons episodes on Net- not Netflix, Disney Plus. Man, seasons four, five, and six fucking classic. So, for the listeners, we have another artist for our artist spotlight. Remember the name? Yay, me again. See, that's how I said, you know, my mental health is improving. I'm remembering things more. <laughs> um, but he is a friend from my adolescent time high school years, hailing from the south side of Chicago. He and I went to high school together. He actually transferred in, if I'm not mistaken. We got to know each other, I think, around either late junior year, maybe early, mid, senior year. Similar interest when it comes to music, specifically hip hop, r and We, at one time, I think, had some of the similar, like, favorite rappers. And probably one of the first people In high school, I felt like I could talk to, one of the first people I felt like I could talk to about rap, about hip-hop in a way that isn't just, oh yeah, this rapper is the best because he's popular and known. I don't give a shit about that. I want quality. I want talent. I want content. That's the type of shit I want. And that's what this guy has to offer with his music career. And the guy went the route that everybody in my high school said they would go, gonna become rappers. That didn't work out for majority of us, but he actually decided to Pursue that as a passion, and I'm gonna be honest, probably one of the best that I had graduated with. No shots, no shade. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners of the show, please welcome Jamon Chalmers. This shit, the crash,
2: the end all be all. At the edge of my seat, like seesaws, hoping to bounce back. We all fall down, I can't get up though. Seen the closest round me turn cutthroat. Four cut mo, make me wonder what's all the fuss for. Money never the motivation. Probably why they think I'm complacent. Only thing that they chasing. Why I'm trying to find inner peace, or why I'm only happy when I see my mother face and my niece. So why I stop saying grace when I eat? Did I lose faith, or was it never there in the first place? Was I faking it all, hoping that something would click? feelings as hollows as tips, put to a clip, put into my head. Left you a note. It read: the shit to crash. Jamal, how are you? I'm great. I'm kind of blushing after that dope-ass intro. I mean,
0: you know, I do what I can to support my homies. Do what I can to support my I,
2: I appreciate that. I, I appreciate
0: that. How are you, good sir?
2: I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm great. Enjoying this beautiful Sunday. Uh, caught some uh, early playoff NBA today. So, you know, my, my morning starting off great.
0: So what you don't know you just did is you rubbed it in Anna's face that the weather isn't as great where she is. Oh, my bad. Oh, my
2: bad. <laughs> if, if, if it makes you feel any better, it's nothing but overcast right now. All overcast.
1: Yeah, it already started raining here. So I don't, I don't know how oh. you guys are having such nice weather. We're not that far apart.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you especially, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're in the city, right? So we're like 40 minutes apart.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
2: it's like, all, it's all like, it's warm. It's just like no sun right now. Yeah. So it's kind of decent I'm not gonna lie it's not really I just feel like I'm digging a deeper hole of me
0: well we are happy to have you on this is going to be a unique experience for me because I have to remain as objective as possible in doing this interview with you and I think I can do that but I want to make sure that I'm throwing it out there now just in case I forget that that is going to be my mantra for today's episode that's real. I mean,
2: I, I I respect objectivity. I even when I uh, like I uh like pro like demo music for like not having released a release friends, I'm like, yo, I need you to be hundred percent honest with me. Don't have me out here putting out like some trash and he was like,
0: No, just, it just sounded great to me before you did it. Okay. And that was literally I was uh coming in from meeting up with another friend from high school that you know, and I was listening to your music on the way back and I was like, all right, I gotta listen to this objectively. And I wasn't able to do it. I was able at first. <laughs> To kind of just be like, damn, I'm back in, it's like three, four years ago when you put this out. And then when I was able to get close at home, I'm like, all right, I think I got some shit. I got this. It's going to be fire.
1: Hey, I've listened to it objectively.
0: Well, yeah, it's this easy for you. You don't know him.
1: (laughs) Well, I met met him before for like five minutes. I thought he was really nice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. But I I listened
1: to your music before I talked to you and before I met you and I already left.
2: See, yeah. that's, that is true. I, I do feel like it's hard being completely objective to people who music you really rock with and you have a close personal relationship with. But like for the sake of you wanting them to be the best artist they can be, you have to be objective. Mm-hmm. I had to like learn that because like I had, I faked the funk at certain, really early in the career with people I was cool with as far as in their music. And I was like, I thought about it and I'm like, but I want them to be 100% honest with me I have to give them that same courtesy because, you know, if you rock with somebody, probably a good chance you respect their music opinion. You don't want them to like lie to you until you like some shit you're doing. It's great. Like maybe it's not, might not be that forte, but they still can let you know, like, eh, you can step your game up a little bit.
0: So would you say that as far as how you operate as an artist, you believe in transparency with your fan base, with the people you kind of work with in the uh, music industry and so forth?
2: I believe in transparency amongst people and all in all relationships that you have with people. Mm-hmm. I believe in transparency with like your friendships and like romantic relationships and stuff like that. And I believe in transparency with artists and their art as well. You have to be honest in your music. You want people to be honest about your music and whatnot. I don't believe in the transparency in the sense of, just because you're a public figure, everybody has to know every single bit and detail of your life. But yeah. like, if you're friends with someone, they should be able to tell you that your shit sucks. Yeah. And like, and maybe they don't have to be public about it, but they should be able to tell you like, hey, you know, your stuff's not that good. And, you, and also you got to have context for everything because they may not listen to the type of music you make, which is 100% understandable. So they might not think it's good because of that. So context does matter. But you can't just let your friends go out in the world ass backwards, you know
0: yeah, this reminds me of a similar question I had asked in uh, previous interviews about this one Erica Badu quote, "I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit." When it comes to how people respond to your music, to what extent of that quote is true?
2: I have a little a uh, story, and this is kind of about this. I had a song that I wrote, and it was a very popish type song popish r&b type song it's not really something that was my forte but i'm like i like writing all different types of music so i'm gonna write this song i made it recorded did a demo for it and whatnot and i played it for my girl and she was like i hate this song for you and i'm like no be i'm like hate it for me or do you hate it because i'm like she's like the song's cheesy i'm like yeah i wrote it to be cheesy like i wanted to be the pop r&b cheesy this feel to it she's like okay She's like, but I hate the song for you though. And I'm like, I got what she was saying because I released it and I played it for people and people loved it. But I'm like, that's not in line with what I do artistically consistently. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really take offense to it. I like people to challenge me on things, but that's because I like, discourse i like i like conversations about things So i like people to challenge me about shit even when it's with my art i think the only thing i might be sensitive about as an artist is someone telling me i'm not good at my craft you could tell me you don't like this song you could tell me you don't like this particular thing i did or way i do this or whatnot but there's a i don't want to say arrogance but it's a borderline arrogance like you can't tell me i'm bad at my shit that's where I'm the sensitivity comes in yeah um I don't know if it's just over like super overly arrogant but I definitely be on some like I know how dope I am like you tell me this shit sucks if I if it sucks but as an overall entity of somebody who creates music I know I make up music so I don't really be, get too beat up about someone being like yeah I don't really rock with this I really dig into it like oh can you tell me why well, you may, maybe this doesn't fit you, or maybe I like this you when you do this way and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. I want to improve, and and I make music for like myself and other people. I want people to like my shit, so I can't be too sensitive.
0: You touched on one of our pre-interview talking points that I was definitely looking to jump into, and it seems like now is the time. Egoism, specifically within the hip hop rap area. Because what you are saying mirrors to some extent what a lot of hip hop artists really espouse when it comes to confidence and the braggadocio part of being a rapper. Like, I'm good at what I do. You can't tell me shit. And if you think you can tell me shit, I'm going to prove you wrong. Would you say that there is a level of egoism in the industry now as opposed to when we first I guess started getting into music so we're like around 14 15 during those adolescent years
2: Oh no it's it, hip hop has had ego in it since its conception. It's an art form that's really based in like a socioeconomic condition type shit and if you don't always like if you don't have the most money going up or have the, the nicest stuff or the newest shit you have to find something that you have to pride yourself in. And a lot of those people took time to find stuff stuff they pride self. people find pride, pride themselves in their work ethic. People pride themselves in their intelligence and they were just, just their ability to conversation have conversation with people. And then muscles got good at rap. It's like I'm gonna pride myself in being a better rapper than most people. And a lot of times people would attain certain things and do you know hustle to get certain things so they can flex. I'm gonna show that I'm I, I like I work my ass off to get all this nice stuff. It's a certain arrogance that you need to have with rap it's a, a it's a very you know i think like all music forms mu- all music genres of music have some type base and some type of personality that you can think of that descri- describes them like rocks being a rock star to an extent has to be you have to have some type of arrogance in that too like not to make rock music but to be a rock star to be a star like to be michael jackson to be Purance, you have to be like have a whole other world of, like, confidence. But, yeah, hip-hop has a huge ego-driven thing. I don't think it's, I don't think it got any better or worse since since we've really gotten to it. Ego can be a bad thing and a good thing, so there are some bad parts about it that really do the hip-hop community a disservice. It causes a lot of friction between people. But when it comes to, like, actually just being rapping or comes to, like, the actual form of people being cocky, LL was a cocky Person C L uh, Pete Rock C L Smooth like they got some cockiness in that stuff. Big Daddy Kane had cockiness, you know. They have like you don't have the braggadociousness you need. That Wu Tang had the braggadociousness, and a lot of times it was just people. I guess kind of. You know, sometimes your ego can infringe on other people's ego as well, mm-hmm. and that's where it becomes a problem. But just regular old confidence,
0: it's not an issue. What would you say is the difference? between confident rap artists versus cocky rap artists? It's
2: the same thing with everyday people. You can tell when somebody's kind of faking the funk, mm-hmm. when someone is truly just overly confident in themselves, where like, you know, they didn't put, whatever they're talking talking big game about, they didn't, they didn't put enough time into it where you know they they doing what they're doing. But the cockiness a lot of time comes from people who, They have to overcompensate. They have to overcompensate for something they feel like they're lacking in comparison to other artists. It's just so the same thing in in everyday life. You know, when people are overly coffee, you know, they go, I know he compensating for something. He ain't got like the rest of everybody else has got. It's artists who I can think of who might give that description. Like they, you will see them, you'll see them have certain conversations about the act, about rap. And be, they'll kind of be like, man, I don't really take rap serious, man, this not really, I just do this because I just, it's just for what the bam like even the people who got into rap to be, to to make money for themselves, it's the, there's a lot of them became great rappers that they took rap seriously and they never, they went, didn't disrespect the art form. They were just like, I'm going to get good at this because I know this is going to make me some bread. There are certain artists who are out here. You'll hear them be like, "Man, rap, I don't even, I don't, care, I don't care about rap. Like that rap was never any at the bam." They, they just. Do you see that? That's that's the cockiness. Cause they're trying to overcompensate because they know they're not good.
1: Sounds like uh, the core of the to the cockiness, like a cocky rapper. Then is, um, is like the lack of confidence, or that like they don't have the skill. Where when you when you were talking about uh, pride. And then the, like, braggadocious behavior, like, that's that's coming from pride. That's from, like, I know I'm good. And those are, the, those are the rappers that are talking about, you know, giving shout-outs to, like, their hood, to, like, their their street. Every So, like, it, it's a huge level of pride. Yeah. Based on, I think that's what you mean, right? Sort of, like, the difference. Yeah, it,
2: like, whether it be something, how you're brought up, where you're brought up, the time and money you put into, your, you're making money, the time and effort you put into being a better rapper it's the pride that's pride in that but there are people who literally be like i don't really care about x doing this this is a hobby for me because they don't want to be held at the same standard as people who they know are great at this and they're like if i diminish my care for this i can prove myself to be cocky i can prove myself to be confident in this situation but also I know I won't have to be compared to Lupe or get compared to like Jay-Z or I have to get compared to like, even Lil Baby, like even with Lil Baby raps about stuff, Lil Baby will still let you know he thinks he's a great rapper. He don't be like, man, I don't care about rap. He can let you know, I'm still feel like I'm great at this rap and stuff, so.
0: That's a really good point because again, going back to what the whole podcast is about, me and Honor Therapist, obviously. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when it comes to the work that we do, when we hear such comments that demonstrate delusions of grandeur, meaning I'm up here and nobody can ever meet me up here because I'm just so great. I'm just so dope. I'm all this and all that. The screams, yeah, you suffer from low self-esteem, motherfucker. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so interesting just because it's easy to discern, like you were mentioning the difference between somebody who's a cocky artist or a cocky person versus a confident person or a confident artist They let the quality of what they do speak volumes as opposed to always having to boast and brag over what they can or what they can't do or also why they're doing this. Like there's a difference when I hear somebody like Eminem, Marshall Mathers, for example, who talks about specifically trying to become a better rapper still, even though he doesn't have to. He's made all this money. He's had all these accolades. He doesn't have to do anything. He could have just stepped He could have continued to be the whole screamo rapper but chose to actually go against the fans although he did say you know what fuck you guys you guys don't know what the fuck Uh they're talking about (laughs) and actually evolved from where his position was originally because he continues to want to do more and be more and he's also somebody who can exude that insecurity too because if you aren't offering him the constructive criticism for him to evolve he's going to attack and react how much do you think now we're going to the mental health stuff. Hey, how much do you think self-esteem matters when it comes to how acts of egoism start to, I guess, become an artist-like go-to? I'm going to attend to my ego first versus attending to what is reality, me trying to become a better artist. I think, and rap's a little different because you have to have have
2: ego into it. So you have to have these delusions of grandeur you can make those delusions a reality you're dealing with a lot, a lot like I said a lot of people who start off in rap they start off in very bad economic stat- situations around a bad socio-economic situations so you have to dream that like chance like statistically speaking the chances of you getting out of those situations is slim to nil and then you have to believe it's a possibility for you to get out of there you have to believe that the impossible is possible and then, because of that, you're like, okay, you're gonna have delusions of grandeur. You might be staying in a, a one-bedroom with five siblings, and you might have to tell yourself, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it so I can buy everybody in my family a house because that's the only way you're gonna believe you're gonna be able to do that." So, you have to have that un, that undying sense of like, I know I got this. I know I'm that dude. I'm gonna make all of this happen. So I, I understand. So you will get the. You will get you have to believe in that delusions because if you you can't do much to tend to your reality, if you can't, you ain't got much control of your reality around you. Like you probably can control yourself. You can't really control a lot of the other shit that's around you. You can't really tend to much. What you can't, can't tend to is your dreams and make them make to try to make those a reality and figure a situation out from that. And you definitely need some. Over the wall, ass cockiness. That's why I like even when people who are overcompensating because they may not be able to rap that well, so they try to downplay the genre itself. Even those people have had to have a, a, another type of confidence to get to where they were because they are well-known rappers who suck at rapping. Like you are known, you are you are a public figure who's known for doing a job that you are actually bad at, but you're still a popular person at that job. You know what type of confidence you gotta have to fake that shit. I get that ego being like, yeah, I'm finna downplay this so it won't seem like that important. But they'll probably be confident about the ability to make money or hustle or brand themselves or how cool they are. They can. That's where their confidence is gonna shine. And I respect, I, like, I I respect before because you know they provide, they're making a way and they make a way for their family, they make a way for themselves. I'm never gonna disparage about them, but like I feel like all rappers have to have that um. You can't be too humble as a rapper. You can be open, you can be vulnerable, but you can't be you can't be humble. That don't the hum being a humble rapper. I've never heard of a humble rapper that's what's successful
0: ever. Or good either even. You bring up a really good point. Like even thinking about the career trajectory of most like rap artists, you have them going sometimes in like multiple directions, but namely these two. You have the artist who isn't able to once they obtain that success, let go of those delusions of grandeur because they're always striving for something. They're always trying to obtain something. And sometimes come to find out that you burn a lot of bridges because you're trying to always have more as opposed to accepting what you already have. And then you have, I can't say the Gen Z rappers, but the rappers that came out when we were in high school. So the Trinity, Jake Cole, Drake, Kendrick, you got Church, childish Gambinos. You got a lot of different guys who came up with those same like features of like being confident and braggadocious, but then you get to see them actually grow up too. And for the most part, out of those four people, three are demonstrating, hey, I'm a whole ass adult now with responsibilities, with maturity, and I have insight into my actions and why things happen. One still kind of a little bit stagnant naturally. Wait, see. wait, which one you, Which one you think is? Which we're one you think is still so stagnant? People on the show, we're not. Okay.
2: I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you afterwards. I'm gonna ask you afterwards because that's that's I want to know.
0: But when it comes to the ones who kind of get stuck, or they're on that borderline of either pushing into maturation as men or women, or falling flat on their faces and kind of like becoming the. Becoming pop culture is like butt of the joke. Century rapper. What things do you can think contribute to how they find themselves stuck in that personal development? What makes them stuck in trying to mature as people?
2: Part of it is we as a as a genre through through a bunch of different for a bunch of different reasons.
0: Rap hasn't been
2: has hasn't been a genre that ages well in a sense of like the rap stars. We didn't get to see them age. A lot of our rap stars. A lot of our biggest stars in, in hip-hop we haven't been able to see age so we haven't seen being able to see a lot of grown man rappers become grown man rappers and grown women rappers as well but it's the issue winds up being then each generation each generation keeps getting younger like it gets younger and younger with the hip-hop generation so now new rappers keep coming out new rappers keep coming out new rappers keep coming out at a certain point the older generation kept feeling like man i have to do what the young kids are doing to stay relevant. So you didn't get to see they wasn't open with their their maturity and then the things that they learned and whatnot and the knowledge they were imparting on people. I'll say Jeezy, because and and I know, because this is the public thing that everybody knows about. Jeezy came being a snowman, down the snowman, trapped it out and whatnot, walked the band. Yes. And then the, the the picture came out with him at his son graduation. Everybody was on Jeezy, like, man, Jeezy told. Jeezy told us to trap or die and watch the band and do all this other stuff. And he, cool. Yes, that might be true. But also, as well, Jeezy, if you listen to Jeezy music, Jeezy also was telling you, like, you know, there's other ways you could, as his music matured, as he got older, you'll find nuggets in his stuff where he will be like, you can get other ways you could do X, Y, and Z. But also, you know, maybe he didn't do a good enough job at publicly broadcasting. The, how he matured as a as a person and the different decisions that he things he that he learned as he matured as much as he broadcast the Trap dial can't bend the snowman. So like like now I'm I'm happy because we are seeing a lot of our hip hop elder statesman's mature we get to see a lot of the, our 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 generation that came in when we was growing up the people we listen to they mature the people before you get not you see in Nas and Hogue and Snoop and you see all these older people in rap who can beat older people in rap you know then you got people like Griselda and a lot of them dudes like maybe late 30s you know they got the drug rap uh, braggadocious but it's in a grown man form and you kind of can see like man we can see the maturity, how people mature in the rap. We can see Nikki having a family and then maturing in rap. We can see these people maturing. And then now we can be like, oh, okay. We don't have to just think of rap as a young people's thing or just have to think of it as we only can listen to the new age kids of rap. And it's like, no, it's this thing is multifaceted. It's sub drama sub drama. under it. Now we can see the elder statesmen in rap. We wasn't getting that at first because a lot of them either were dying or getting locked up. Or we kind of been like, you oh, you corny, so we don't want to listen to you no more.
0: You brought up something that reminded me of a quote that Anna gave in another interview.
1: I'm curious what quote you're talking about.
0: So you were the first one, I think, on maybe episode one or two who made the quote of how mental health has been talked about in rap since it's damn near its inception. So I wanted to ask Jaman, what songs do you feel as if when you were coming up made you realize like, all right, damn mental health is important to kind of talk about within this genre of music. M, of
2: course, yeah. like, And I'm talking about infinite. M, like, he's just song. Everything's okay. Like that. old, Oh, like even the stuff he had on Slim Shady, Marshall Madness, but like shit, like Lupe's hurt me. So it wasn't very specific to mental health, but it, talked about the conditions that will put you in a mind state of being depressed yeah. um intruder alert like soon you'll understand and some cry like it's weird because when we think of rap we think we do think of cockiness we do think of braggadociousness so we don't think they rappers have the ability to be vulnerable and be able to express themselves in a way and, and rap's always has done that like y'all said like it's inception the problem was you still seeing somebody who look looking, probably tall, probably will probably be able to uh, charismatic and stuff. And they're being vulnerable. You won't see this vulnerability. It just always comes off as somebody being cocky. But a lot of these rappers have been extremely vulnerable in their stuff. Damn, like even even shit like Lincoln Park. Like Yay was a big one. Yay was a huge one. Not the album, but the artist himself. Yeah. Like it's weird because we always been comfortable with talking about mental health we just never phrased it that way
1: yeah that's that's uh that was what I thought about when I first brought it up because I actually remember talking to my husband about it before I mentioned it in a podcast I was telling him you know hip-hop music I feel like they talk about Like hip hop and rap, I feel like they talk about mental health topics more than any other genre. And he's like, what do you mean by that? And and I'm like, well, they're not talking about like, oh, these are the symptoms of anxiety and depression. I'm going to rap about them. No, they're not using specific clinical terms. But when they're talking about exactly like you said, Jamon, like you said, talking about the things that lead to depression, things that lead to anxiety, talking about what life is really like. You know what, like what it's really like. Tupac and Biggie, they did that very well. Tupac, especially. Like, uh, think about the song changes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a really popular song, but but if you look at it from a mental health perspective, he's talking about so much that affects mental health. That it is so emotional and also, uh, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? So like a social justice aspect to it. Uh And and that that is a huge component, I think, in a lot of hip hop songs and a lot of rap songs, whether that's the intention or not from the artist talking about the conditions that you're living in does help towards a push for change Uh because it it lets people in to see the world that you're living in and to think about it on different terms as, as, as something that's real not just something they see on TV and can't connect with. I think when you actually hear somebody rapping about or singing about their experiences, it's more real. It wakes you up. And that's what what we need for social justice, like that push, right?
2: Yeah, it's not just numbers on a page or like theoretical or anything like that. Someone's telling you this is their real life experience that drove them to X, Y, and Z. It makes it a lot more concrete. It's tangible. Now you can be like, oh, so you went through that. Oh, that leads to that. Like, Biggie has two songs I think about all the time. Suicidal Thoughts, which, like, the first line of the song, when I die, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit and ain't that hard for me to tell. What?
0: Like, that's that, the show's favorite Biggie song.
2: Like, bro, <laughs> that's some nut shit. And then Everyday Struggle. First line and hook. I don't wanna live no more. Man, I hear death knocking at the front door. Like the name of his first album is Ready to Die, and it's a picture of a baby on the front of it. Like, I do think hip hop really it has been big on the mental health, but we just never identified it as mental health. We just been like we're talking about our pain. And when they're vulnerable, they had that's what I mean by vulnerability in a hip hop artist. See, everyone talks about their pain, the things that they've been through and whatnot, but we just never look at it as mental health. Even it being people who like, I'll talk to people I know who are like really big backpack rappers and like boom back rappers, and they they like far as fans of their music. And we'll talk about someone like Lil dirt and they be like, Lil dirt just likes the ability to be vulnerable in his music. I'm like. You must not listen to Lil Durk music. Cause Lil Durk be vulnerable in his music. Not in every one of his songs. But if you listen to some songs, you'll hear that man talking about a lot of people we close to dying and talking about the feel, the need for revenge and the need for like doing drugs to cope with the pain of actually losing friends and whatnot. And you're like, oh, you're like, but we just never look at it as vulnerability or mental health because I don't know, maybe like how the world views black men or something like that, but you just won't view it as this man might be crying out for help or like really talk about some real shit because like, you know, he rich and like everybody likes him
0: and he's cool. Very true. You actually touched on another component of the raggedo show aspect of rap, the ego as to rap, the substance use. Because sometimes when it comes to being on top of the world, whether you are on top of the world and you're trying to make it that way, But you legit found a way to get it on top, now it's about trying to maintain that status. And it's not easy. I've noticed that, I think it's in like all avenues of life when it comes to when you find yourself in a really high position in life, whether it be with your socioeconomical status, whether your status as a celebrity or just somebody who is really important, it's hard to maintain that. You have to figure out ways to do that. And if you're not able to, then you are trying to find yourself something that fuels you with the temporary confidence you need in order to actually make it to the top. Sometimes it's weed, sometimes it's Molly, sometimes it's Coke, sometimes it's a little bit of this and sometimes it's a little bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) So from your perspective, what do you think the influence of drugs, illicit drugs, has had on the artistry of hip-hop artists, or just generally in the music industry? Once, an
2: uh, older cat told me, he's like, y'all went from being drug sellers to drug users. Yeah. And, and it's just like, Ugh. And it was, this dude had to be about, like, 70. But I think a lot of artists do drugs. A lot of artists are usually torture people. We never really put two and two together about artists doing a lot of drugs and then artists being torture people and then be like, why rappers do a lot of drugs? Uh, rappers usually come fucked up situations and then people who come fucked up situations usually do a lot of drugs to cope with it. Now, it's not to say everyone. A lot of people do drugs just because they enjoy doing drugs. I have learned that sometimes it's not like a super deep explanation for why people are doing drugs sometimes people just be doing drugs just mm. because it's in or popular or easily influenced or whatnot but a lot of the rappers might be doing drugs just based off the fact like it's survivors for sometimes a lot of times people be like yo life might have been fucked up but you might have guys growing up and it might have been y'all and then some shit happened your guys died, and you might have made it in life and made something of yourself and you're just like damn look up, and there's a bunch of new faces around, and you're probably just like, I'm the only one that made it, or oh, we the only ones that made it, and it's hard. We cope with that shit. It's hard to look up and be like, man, we didn't come from very extraneous circumstances, and now we're okay, but not that much, because it's still eyes on us. You might not feel safe at all times. It's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of depression, but you don't got the luxury to show like, people can be vulnerable in our music, but you don't have the luxury to actually show that out in public. What? You'll be a lake If you walk around here, they see you sad boy all the time. They think you're vulnerable. They think you're, like, easy target. Nah, you putting a target on your back if you're, they think it's that sweet. So you don't have the luxury to have that vulnerability. So, you know, you're going to numb the pain until until something works or you die.
0: It's an interesting conversation to have about hip hop artists, but it's a skewed conversation because drug use has been something that is a part of music since before hip hop. You had it in the 50s, you had it in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Like I did, when I was younger, I did,
2: I had my share of fun. Mm-hmm. I had my share of fun, got myself in some trouble, and Dad wasn't supposed to get myself in some trouble. But me being self-aware enough in certain situations where I made when I got older, I could write about it. I made Mule, uh, and it's a song that's just dealing with drug abuse. And I made a couple songs about dealing with drug abuse because I didn't went through my phases in life. And a lot of that gets kind of downplayed because, you know, you're not a crackhead, you're not a methhead, you're not doing all the other stuff, X, Y, and Z. You know, if you're just doing this here and this there, you know, little party drugs here and there, you're not going to feel like you're a drug abuser. And you might not be. But you also gotta ask yourself, why are you doing these things, and how much of these things are you doing, and is it just you trying to partake, or is this just trying to mask something, you know? And me, you know, there's a certain catharticness, if that's the right word, about writing and and making your music. So you could put some shit in perspective. I didn't realize, damn, I was wilding a lot until I wrote that song. Yeah. And I'm like, I was wowing a lot. And especially just looking at the the age I was and the time frame and the opportunities that were in front of me at the time. I was wowing a lot. And I'm like, why was I doing all that? And it was like, I repressed some and shit and, and I finally got free for some, for some some shit in my life. And I was able to start, really start like, I, I could do whatever the fuck I want to. And I fought for the up and whatnot. And it kind of, it was just, it was lashing out. It was lashing out, I didn't realize I was lashing out until I actually wrote that and sat there. and like, this actually does apply to me. Until someone else told me, they heard it and told me, hey, this applied to me, my life was fucked up, it kind
0: of made me think about some shit. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So it's not just me. If it's something that you are vulnerable about, and you're open about, that is exactly what makes your music, at least for me, something that I like to really listen to and take a step back and just enjoy because it's somebody who is being very transparent in a way that's different than how I get a chance to interact with you personally. It's not like, for example, with like men, it's not like we're gonna like open up to some guy friends, not all guy friends, to some guy friends about how how much feeling, a romantic feeling we have towards another young woman, another young lady. Sometimes it's gonna be like, oh man, you know, she cool. You know, we get along great. Man, yeah, she fine, bro, real cool. As opposed to really being open and saying, you know, I really enjoy her company. There's just something about her that really attracts me to her because of how honest she is or how forthcoming she is. It's a cool way to learn more about you, even though it's in an indirect way, even though I know you directly. I get to learn more about you as a person in the music. And sometimes you don't really get that from artists. Sometimes it's all about just the confidence without the vulnerability or the vulnerability is limited vulnerability in the sense like, yeah, this stuff affects me. I get scared by this. I got to be tough by this, but not damn, man. I don't know if I'm going to always make it through this. I need support. I need other people to know that I love them and they love me. And that's another thing that I like about the content that you release. You seem to be very conscientious of how much your community matters to you. Why is that? In my younger
2: years, I had this theory that all people are somewhat self-destructive and other people are put on this planet to stop you from hurting yourself. In my younger years, in my naive years, I used to think like we were put around each other to stop us from doing things for ourselves because people don't always make the best decisions for themselves or treat themselves with the most love. And maybe you need to experience love from the outside so you can know how to love from the inside out. You know, sometimes it's hit or miss as far as in whether or not that applies. But like, I want aliens to be able to hear my music and be like, I understand somewhat what the human experience is like. I want people to know that love's a big part of the human experience. Love for another, love for your family and whatnot. I've written about my relationships with my family, my brothers, my mom, my dad. And it's not always in a complaining about them way or this way or whatnot. A lot of times it's, yeah. If it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be here right now, or I probably wouldn't want the things out of life that I want, or I probably wouldn't be content and at peace with myself the way that I am. And and I've speaking about loss, I want people to feel good. I but also people won't know it's okay to not feel good and it's okay that other people feel this way. And then and if you got a strong support system around you, they might be able to lift you up and Maybe you might be able to give that to somebody in turn. And sometimes if you can't do it, it's okay because, you know, you just got to work and improve on some things on yourself, maybe. Like I said, I want aliens from from light years and light years away to be like, oh, I have a little bit idea of what the human experience might be like. Or the human experience for, at least my idea of what the human experience is like. They'll be like, I know this person, Jaman from Southside Chicago. I know his experience was love and happiness. I know it also was pain and hurt. I know it was sacrifice. I know it might have been selflessness. Maybe it might be some selfishness tied into it. I don't want it to be a one-dimensional thing. I don't like one-dimensional music. I don't like one-dimensional people. We are more complex and and multifaceted than that. And that's why I like express that to other people and everyone else could be like, oh shit, it's okay for me to be head over heels in love. It's okay for me to be hurt from some shit that happened years and years ago. Maybe I just need to learn how to work past it. You know, I just want people to know it's okay. Every part of the human experience is okay.
0: Is that why you're wearing a one love shirt?
2: My mom got me this and it's damn near like my favorite shirt outside of
0: like my anime shirts. All I'm saying is if aliens watch this, they're also going to see it and be like, oh shit, that's that love? That's what it's spelled? That's what it looks like?
2: That's dope shit. And you know what's crazy? I didn't even put two and two together until you just said that. That
1: is what his shirt says. But I'm cracking up, too, because he just said he wears anime shirts, and I'm wearing an anime
0: shirt. I'm wearing a Wu-Tang shirt right now.
1: Oh, man, I was going to wear a (laughs) Wu-Tang. I was going to put my Wu-Tang shirt on, and I was like, no, I don't know. I'm going to go with Dragon Ball today.
0: Kind of want to see the shirt. I'll, I'll ask to look at it later because I know <laughs> when you brought up Yu-Gi-Oh! earlier, I had to stop myself because I was about to go all the way in with the whole conversation, but I'm going to do that. I just got my younger brother,
2: who's a grown man. He's like 23. I just got him like two new decks for Yu-Gi-Oh! cards.
1: Are, are, are Yu-Gi-Oh! cards worth any money? Yes. Really? Should I get into the Yu-Gi-Oh! card selling game?
0: <laughs> at this point, Ana, you might be out of luck. You have to actually buy like the old booster packs to see if you could pull anything of good quality. You might, but yeah, I wouldn't go out and buy like one of the first edition Blue Eyes Wide Dragon cards from 2002 or three because them bitches, them bitches expensive.
1: Probably expensive, yeah. Pokemon cards are super expensive right now. I think Target is not selling them because it's too dangerous because everybody wants a Charizard. People are obsessed with Charizard.
0: So I'm going to tell a story real quick before we get back into this interview with both Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. So when I was a kid, me and two other guys, one of which, mind you know, but again, ain't sharing no names. <laughs> I decided to let him hold on to my Pokemon card collection because at that point, I'll see him later in life. haven't seen him since. No shade, no tea. But if you made some money off the cards, good for him, man. Then I got another friend who still close with. I did the same thing with him, except I'm still friends with him. So eventually we'll be able to. <laughs> I let him hold on to my card collection because, again, I wasn't playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I went away to college. Then he moved and he left it back in the storage at his other place. Make sure they're in sleeves. Make sure they're
2: in sleeves. Yeah. They're not. But I don't care. As someone who had all the first edition Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and no longer has them after some, some stuff, make sure they're in sleeves. <laughs> Just make sure they're in sleeves. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Oh,
1: man. Sleeves, top loaders. Yes. I know. I know all about... Sleep. I'm a
2: huge cartoon. I'm talking about first edition Toon World. Blue uh, First edition Toon Blue Eyes, White Dragon. First edition Toon uh, Red Eyes, Black Dragon. Ovilus the Tour not, not I've a list of Not Ovilus the But it's a, a bunch of a bunch of like mm-hmm. first edition old school Yu-Gi-Oh cards are were basically
0: compost. Passion just came out. Oh yeah. I'm a I'm a geek. Yeah. Ask me anything nerdy, nerd shit. Nerd out. This is our podcast. So just for this one second, how do you define the difference between a nerd and a geek? A nerd, I think, usually applies
2: more like scholastic stuff. And being a geek is more like being overly excited about things, like geeking out. That's the only way, that's how I always imagine when I hear a geek. You could be a nerd, I guess, and a geek, but I feel like they might be two different things. Mm-hmm. But also, you asked me tomorrow, my opinion on the whole entire
0: thing might change. Yeah. So, All right, back to music. Um, I'm overstimulated right now because we started talking about nerd shit or geek shit.
1: I know, I know. Well, I'm, I don't know. Well, Jamon, do you know anything about Magic cards? <laughs> Look,
0: <laughs> so
2: I had a choice in college to either get really good at ping pong good at magic the gathering and i chose ping pong because there is a table full of people playing the game right next to the ping pong table and both sets of people had asked me hey do you want to learn how to do x y and z yeah and i was like i already have enough trading card game things in my life as a Yu-Gi-Oh duelist who's won tournaments
0: so i'm like i'm cool on learning another card game let me learn ping pong yeah. These are the things that brought us closer together. I remember when you were with uh, one of your ex-girlfriends and she would be jealous about how close we would get because we had really similar interests in common. She gets pissed every time we start kicking, geeking out. Like,
2: it's like, you hate talking about this. Like, I know I get on your nerves bringing this
0: up to you. Let me talk to him about it. So one of your first singles, Bart Simpson, how much of that song had a correlation to this geeky side of yourself that you are speaking of right now?
2: All of it, because I was doing pop culture references. I wanted to be like X, ex- display my lyrical ability and just like wrap circles around people, but mm. I also wanted to make some of the punchlines not culturally relevant because they're they, some of the lines I made were kind of outdated. But I wanted to, you know, the, when you tell a joke, you kind of like poke somebody in the ribs with your elbow a little bit. I wanted to do that lyrically. I wanted to just make it so that people thought it was some wittiness to it. I wanted to kind of the lowbrow humor, but in a a highbrow kind of witty way.
0: Yeah. And
2: and so I like bringing nerd stuff to rap. I, I do think sometimes people be going overboard. Like there's a whole genre of rap that's just specifically about people rapping about anime. And I don't have a problem with it, but I'm just like, yo, that might be overkill. Like I get having a bar and a punchline there, but it's a whole entire verse just about how much has stuff happened in Naruto. And i was just like, I can't do that. More power to you. I can't listen to that. But the nerd shit being brought into hip hop was kind of exciting because now for the kids who love DBZ, you know that everybody else in the world loved DBZ as well. You mm-hmm. know, when Lupe said, guess who's on third? Lupe still, like Lupin the third. And I'm like, bruh, like I I was so geeked out when I heard that line. I'm like, not only did you give like a dope ass like double entendre, you referenced some stuff that only maybe those cool people and who in the know would know about. And that it kind of feels like you kinda in like on a secret club, like how you described when we first met and then we we're getting to know each other and every time we'll talk about something else and how dope this is or how dope this is and how much we love this person's music or what this new thing just came up with this and this issue of this. And it's just like, Oh shit. As someone who I just transferred there, I, I, my brother went to this, my brother was going to the school and I knew people from elementary school, but I didn't want to cling to just like, well, familiarity. I know these people from the neighborhood. I know these people from elementary school. I know my brother Wackabam. I wanted to kind of set my own thing and find my own people to, to interact with while still maintaining those relationships, but just find chart my own course. And then coming from a boarding school to high park and getting there and being like, oh shit, we got the same interest in X, Y, and Z and stuff. That's, it's a comfort there. Like, cause you know, you can find someone who fucks with some of the stuff you fuck with regardless of where you go. But the moment it happens, it's something that I think we really don't, truly cherish them as much as we should because it's like just a Lupe line and we immediately hey, hey and it, it brings that kinship that it's, it forms that community and which is also kind of reason why I was happy when that nerd culture got introduced to rap because not only is it you're connected through hip-hop you're connected through rap you're connected through this art form but also the sub genre of References from bars of these and things, type of this. You build deeper bonds and relationships with people because how much you geek it out about this shit.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about the line, I put an M on your head, you Luigi brother now? I forgot who it was, but somebody said,
2: I put an M on your head, like Majin Bo and I like that line
0: better than you Luigi brother now. Nah, uh, I got to give it to J. Cole. I don't remember. I feel like I heard that too, but when he, the way he said it, the delivery... It's cold, but I don't know why
2: I just vibe with the line I put an M on your head like Majin Buu more because it's just something about that. Like put an M on your head, you Luigi brother. Now, yeah, that's cold. Don't get me wrong, that's a hot bar, but the Majin Buu one does a little bit more to my spirit.
0: Fair.
1: I mean, it's a stronger character. (laughs) Well, because I'm immediately thinking of Vegeta with um and like Vegeta versus Luigi.
0: Come on. come on, come on! Give him a mushroom. Give him a mushroom. Maybe, maybe he can do some damage. Maybe can he get a mushroom look? <laughs> Vegeta go do a final <laughs> flash and turn him to like just a hat. <laughs> substance use in video games. That should be another conversation for the future.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> the random stuff that you eat in video games.
2: Yeah. Oh god! It's like if you take time to go through all the video games we've ever played and like starting from Sega to now with the stuff that like Kirby, just take Kirby by himself.
0: The amount of stuff, random stuff you eat in a video game is kind of wild. Sonic being superficial, you got to collect golden rings and emeralds before you become a really super powerful entity in life. Damn, capitalism. We, we say
2: all this and we have yet to bring up the stuff that GTA has made us do.
0: I mean, GTA is, GTA is just like imitating art. That's it. That's really it. I mean, now it is. <laughs> All right. So for the listeners, what can we share with them that they may be able to look forward to as far as your music career?
2: So I was like many of other artists. I took a brief hiatus last year and kind of the year before last as well. But I have probably about three projects on the way. I have one with my man's Phil. He's uh my band director. We've been working on this for a while. Certain stuff kind of slowed up because of the pandemic, but we're back at it. Everything's really mostly kind of already uh recorded, instrumentation and stuff rise. Right? So I just really gotta lay my vocals the way I want them. Uh my homie Chris, Chris Payne, as you as you well know, Matt, kind of like my uh creative director, quote unquote executive producer, got a project coming with him. We already have a bunch of stuff in the tuck. I'm really right now just waiting to see what I want to release and when I want to release it. But by the end of the year, you should be expecting at least two new projects for me. Doing any shows? Uh, the show thing kind of on wait because I got to see if people are getting the vaccines and, and wearing a mask and going about doing the you know <laughs> the the right the right civil things, but. Once everything get back open, I'm going get, get to get try to get the band back together and get to it, get to it with the shows. Uh, I know a lot of people are working, a lot of people are traveling bars. and I, and so you know whenever they're ready and, and you know and, and some opportunities present itself. So we going to see, we are going to see, we are going to see. I uh, I'm excited because I feel like it's been kind of like we've all been deprived from music and art for so long at least like live and just experiencing it out in public and whatnot that now it's like people are hungry for it and i'm like i've been waiting for people to be hungry for music hungry for new shit new new art new new experiences and whatnot
0: so yeah that's what's happening next that's that's the next move okay because i just saw that they're actually having lala this year which took me a little bit by surprise i didn't think they would get that off but as far as social media handles, where can the people find you at? Facebook, just
2: Jamon, J-A-M-M-A-N, as well as Spotify and Apple Music and all the other platforms and whatnot. For Instagram, Jamon C, no underscore, just J-A-M-M-A-N-C. Yeah, I think that's all I have. I don't have like a Twitter or any of that anymore.
1: Do you have any uh, YouTube videos or? Yeah,
2: can- um, I do, <laughs> but I don't know where any of them are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have I have something on there from So Far Sounds, and I never remember where it's at. So, but hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll be able to find the link, and maybe you guys might be able to put it in there.
0: Who knows? But I appreciate I appreciate you asking. I definitely do, because I was thinking about the uh, music video you had with your high school like Letterman's jacket. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think oh, you
1: got a music video? I want to see.
2: I'm, okay. Look. Okay. I'm going to have the picture, the song, and the video link all ready for you guys.
1: Yay. Okay. Cool. Cool.
2: Cool. I know where to
0: find you now. I got two locations. <laughs> look, I'm easy. I'm easy to find. I'm easy to find. All right. One last question. We usually do an end of the episode, new. Not Music Friday recommendation. What song, either by yourself or from somebody else, would you be willing to recommend for us to add onto our playlist? They're, they're
2: not really mental health songs. They're actually great feel-good songs, and I love them both. Square Biz by Tina Murray or When I'm Alone by Frankie Beverly and Maze. Okay. Frankie Beverly.
0: Is there anything else you would like to share with the fans before we let you go? Be kind
2: to yourself. Be kind to people around you and, you know, be safe this summer in every way possible.
0: Yeah, because it's you in Chicago. I get that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's everybody. Everybody's coming outside at the same time all across the country, all across the world. And we kind of got to get we, everybody probably got to reacclimate to being civil with each other. So everybody be
0: safe, please. Yeah. And thank you, guys. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. If you make it big, can I make the Bart Simpson single a non-fungible token? Go crazy.
2: Hey. And I already look. You got this on camera, so I already gave permission permission for it. You can NFT Bart Simpson. Yes. Go crazy. All right, my guy. I'm gonna let you go. All right. I appreciate you guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: That
1: was fun. That was really fun. Yeah. I mean, he's such a nice guy. He's a really charismatic guy. Easy to talk to. So I um,
0: thought that was fun. When he does do another show, I'll let you know. All right, new, not new for music Friday recommendations. Ready?
1: Yeah, I can go first actually because what we just talked about in the episode really sparked me to recommend this song. Uh, it's a, it's a popular song, I think probably. I don't know. I don't listen to the radio yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, the song is called Young Morales. Have you heard it? No. Young Morales by Jonathan and Friends featuring Julia Wolf. I really like Julia Wolf. But anyway, Mar- Morgan Freeman is on the track.
0: Oh yeah, I did I think I heard about Morgan Freeman doing some recordings for somebody. I thought it was just 21 Savage, but I guess not.
1: Yeah, no, he's out there in the Songs About Video Games. It starts off there's a clip at the beginning from um, I think it's Metal Gear Solid, yeah, Metal Gear Solid, mm. and then they talk about just different video game stuff like Crash Bandicoot, and uh, it's fun. It's a fun song. You gotta you gotta check it out. I think I think you'd like it. I don't know, but they talk about PS five, and I haven't. I've I'm always been an Xbox person. I like PlayStation, yeah. but I. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've always been an Xbox person. I also like PC, though. All right. I don't have any preferences. Xbox is just what I buy. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: When it's cheaper, I might buy one. Who knows? I'm just content with the four that I got last year because I didn't know that a five would be coming out last year. I'm not angry or bitter about it at all. <laughs> For mine this week, I'm actually going to go with a recommendation that I got from my work. It's the song Rap Star by Polo G the reason why I'm even recommending it is because I'm not really a big person that's into the new school, like hip hop rap artists, nothing against them. It's just Drake, Kendrick, Cole, Childish Gambino, um, Big Sean. Those were, that's the last crop of rappers that I personally started to like, and we were around the same age. we still were around the same age. So it was interesting listening to their music going like, yeah, I got hints from the old school from the nineties that I used to listen to, but also a different type of presentation because you guys aren't hard as shit you guys are just regular as dudes like me and now with this new crop I don't get that sense as much but I heard this song yesterday and it was very interesting because it still has like the same like melody as current rap songs when it comes to being auto tune influence a melodious like rappy like hook and verses that are like sung instead of like spit but the kid actually mentioned some stuff about mental health, and I was like, oh, shit, he's going through it. Talking about anxiety, how he just is, like, stuck and frozen and just wants it to stop. And it all sounds very positive, and I was just like, man, this is, this is what the kids do these days. They put a really brave face on, but inside, they are internally struggling. And I don't know, I just like this song, so that's why I'm going to recommend it.
1: Sounds good. I'll have to check it out. I don't think I've heard of that song. Yeah,
0: apparently it is, or was, as of last week, on Billboard's top hot 100 200 list so
1: oh man see yeah you're all up with the times and i'm
0: not no not really <laughs> i didn't even know i forgot all about billboard like that because after a certain point didn't really mean my, that much to me because good music does not always go on billboard definitely doesn't always go on billboard
1: oh yeah for sure for sure Ooh. listeners check us out instagram facebook Instagram handle, YT underscore playlist. Uh, we also have a YouTube page. We've mentioned it before, but really check it out. Uh, we I've added, or I, me, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we have added a lot more videos on there. So today we added the video for episode four, our Siegfried's Pieces yeah. episode. We have the, the video recording for that. We also have a playlist for that episode and a playlist for episode eight. So the playlist that we're uploading, they'll have uh, our episodes cut into three parts. And then in between, it'll have our song recommendations. And then at the end, we'll have the songs that we recommend for our non-New Music Friday. So it's cool. It's a good way to to listen to the episode and check it out.
0: Shout out to our producer for holding it down with the editing. Yes. <laughs> now it has an official title. <laughs>
1: Yeah, my husband's been doing an awesome job. He's been working really, really hard, which I think is totally why the Magic Cards thing came into play. So I'm not (laughs) bugging because I I can't help it. Like he's sitting next to me and he's working on our episodes and I just keep talking. like, (laughs) Like I just can't help it. So now it's like, here's, you know, the Magic Cards. They're like my bag of Cheerios that he's giving me. You know, I give babies bags of Cheerios in church to keep them busy. <laughs>
0: so. That's one of the things I miss about being in a relationship, which is weird because you don't hate it when it happens, but you're just kind of like, yeah, I understand. This is affection. Playing my video game. So I have, to, I have to accept both. I miss that. I miss, like, doing my own thing and then, like, my partner coming up and just wanting to just be around me. And it's just like, what, you, what do you want? Nothing. I just want to be with you. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with that. I like that. But you're also on my good gaming arm <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't, can't. yeah I keep like, grabbing his arm he's trying to like type uh, the th- things in and like move things around for our videos and he's like I need that arm and I'm like no I need the arm yeah. <laughs> but anyway he's been doing a great job um, and our YouTube channel is, is looking great. So we'll be adding this episode on there, of course. Um, And we will also be adding our first interview with Nicholas May. We kind of taking our time with that one, but we want to get it out there for you guys and we want it to look good, you know, so that'll be added as well.
0: Cute. Shout out to our sponsor TBD coffee. Yes trying to get
1: my coffee cup in the picture check out the tbd coffee on instagram and facebook as well check out our blend therapy in a bag therapy
0: in a bag yeah
1: it's mocha i mean who doesn't like mocha come on
0: it's awesome but
1: yeah tbd coffee everyone check it out of course
0: if you go and visit the website and you use our promo code yt15 you will get fifty percent off of all purchases site-wide so why not get yourself some dope merch or get yourself some dope coffee
1: yeah and it is you're right matt ytp15 15, ytp15 15. hey use our code and yeah just keep up with us instagram i've been posting stuff facebook we got we got more more to come
0: so especially next month
1: we are hoping next m- month is going to be a pretty exciting month for us we have some cool things planned that we do not want to talk about yet.
0: I'm going to just play it cool. I don't usually play it cool, but I'm going to play it cool now.
1: We got to play it cool. We got to play it cool. We will let you all know what we got planned for next month. When next month gets here. Yay. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you guys for listening for today's episode. Again, you can find us on all of your favorite streaming podcast platforms. Have a continued good rest of your week. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye, everyone. Thank you.